0: to the Change Cadet podcast. Now, I know what you're thinking. Akila, Dr. Akila, Dr. Cadet, what happened to season three? It's been a year plus we haven't heard from you. Yes, that is true and right. And I don't know if you know, I've been dismantling white supremacy. We had the murder of George Floyd, May 25th, 2020, and I've been busy nonstop since then. We're in a period of racial... Awakening and reckoning and allyship and accomplice and showing up and figuring out how to do it. And I've been helping businesses all around the world figure it out. But I missed you all. So we have a limited series where I interview three incredible authors about their book or their process of the book or a little combination of both.
1: And it all ties
0: back to dismantling white supremacy because you know me. Now, I do the same thing as the regular Change Today podcast, which is ask how people are a soldier of change. How are they a change today? Now, because so much has happened since 2020, I'm moving away from soldier, even though that's what today, my last name, means. It's more so how are people change agents? How are they affirmed in themselves while doing work that isn't so pleasant? It's a moment to be comfortable being uncomfortable. So tune in, Listen. Remember to like and subscribe. And if anything, buy the books, y'all. Books are important. Buy the books. I hope you enjoy this limited series. Welcome everyone to the Change Today podcast. We have missed you. I've been dismantling white supremacy for for a long while, uh, but we're here to do a limited series, and we're kicking it off with one of my favorite people, Ashley Feinstein Gertzley. Hello.
1: Hello. Wow.
0: Honored. <laughs> I'm you. I mean, we have so much to talk about. We've been doing so much work together and so folks can hear about it. But before we get into those details, I would love for you to introduce yourself.
1: Yes. Where to begin? So I am Ashley. As you said, I founded a company called The Fiscal Fem, which is a feminist money platform that helps women get wealthy. Long story short, and I started it because I needed it myself personally and wrote a book in 2019 called The 30-Day Money Cleanse, and then most recently have been working on a book that Akila has been a huge part of called Financial
0: Adulting. Everything you need to know and do to be a financially confident and conscious adult. Dun, dun, dun. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think your platform is really important because it highlights... Um, how those who identify as women can show up, right? And uh, a place that's traditionally not designed for us there's still that image of like, if we're thinking about money, we're thinking about that heterosexual cis-gendered white male who's like in a power suit, who's like making decisions, sometimes a hoodie, depending on, you know, if it's cryptocurrency <laughs> or NFTs, right, or not. But the thing I love about the Fiscal Fem that, you know, you have outlined is we believe that financial well-being is all about equality. And I think that's really, really important. And you also highlight intersectionality um, with what that means as far as um, equality. I'm just going to add to your bio that you've been featured in Forbes, NBC, Glamour, New York Times, and my favorite, among others, you're out there and around. Um, You're also a noted speaker um, and you're in different places and an author of two books. Uh, before I forget, the book is available on Amazon and you can pre-order and pre-orders are incredibly important for all authors, but particularly for women um, so that they can, you know, be seen and in an industry that sometimes um, has a little bit of bias in it. <laughs> so um, I like to start off by always asking our Um, guest, how they are a change today. So as you know, today is my last name. It means soldier. I'm a soldier of change, blah, blah, blah. Soldiers are oppressive, but I like to say a change agent. So like, how are you a change agent? Like, I know your answer, but would love to hear how you are a change agent. Like, what is your answer for me? Um,
1: So I view it a change agent, even being asks that I am one. I view it more as a goal than something that I've attained, a destination. And I guess for me, it starts with myself and what I put out in the world. Um, I'm a financial educator and creator. And something that I realized and why I was so excited to work with you is that my content, and it's reflected in my first book, is that I was leaving out the experiences and unique struggles of BIPOC and BIPOC women and how that's not feminism. And this time around having you as my sensitivity editor and like the commitment to writing a truly inclusive book and learning so much. And I honestly can't express how much better the book is because of it. um, I would say that's an example of me learning, growing doing the work
0: and on that adventure and journey to be a change today. I love that so much. Um, and thank you. I'm honored. I I learned so much from you um, in this process. So let's talk about it for our listeners. Um, I am so many things, but one thing I do is I'm a, a sensitivity editor. So if you don't know what that is, it's someone who literally looks at books to make sure that they're inclusive, they're a place of belonging, they're addressing either anti-racism, diversity and inclusion, um, to make sure that any reader can see themselves in the pages of the book. And sensitivity editing has definitely taken off since the murder of George Floyd um, and making sure that authors aren't in a position of canceled culture and authors aren't in a position where they look back on a book and they're like, oof, you know, I, I could have done better. So it's an opportunity to be relevant at the time. And it's important to note relevant at the time, because when we think about diversity words, anti-racism words and culture, they're constantly growing and evolving as people are understanding systemic oppression and all these fun things. So I'm curious to you, um, why a why sensitivity editor now? I'm hearing you say, as you reflected back on your first book, you're like, okay, there's some opportunities to show up, but you know, why sensitivity editor and and also why me?
1: great question. So (laughs) I think one, the first thing I noticed, and I noticed it pretty quickly after my first book came out is I talked about the pay gap and this book, this next book, I talk a lot more, I'd say my first book was very much strictly how to, and it was all around budgeting and money mindset. And there's so much that even, you know, something we talked a lot about is my money mindset and my beliefs around money are very informed by privilege That when I only share from that experience and other people can't relate to it and they don't get the education from it. Um, But something very specific was in the first book. I talk about the pay gap and I just shared. You know, at the time it was eighty-two cents. I didn't share the pay gap from all the different pay gaps from different women of color and um, and that was something I'm like. Next time, if we make a revision, we need to include this. And you know, that's of course just scratching the surface. but as, you know, doing the work realize, and following you, and I also found you specifically from Claire Wasserman. So you posted her book, Ladies Get Paid, and said that right. we're her sensitivity editor. And I was like, what is this? I need this. Um, and it's, it was in everything. Because I was looking back, I actually saved a copy of every chapter that you sensitivity edited, so I wouldn't lose those comments. And I could see what I learned because a lot of it started just then as I kept writing, being involved in the chapter, but it was everything from changing the word slavery to the enslavement of black people, Mm -hmm. such a different connotation or, um, like the pay gap in the first book in sections, I talk about women and you would point out that, oh, that's actually talking about white women. We need to add intersectionality, um, how to talk about my own privilege was something that I wanted to do. I don't want to say right, because like you said it's evolving and, <laughs> right. um, you know, it's something that we haven't taught over how but it's, to, it's
0: something you wanted to be transparent about. Yes. Yeah. And I,
1: and so that's what I learned. I learned that how to do that in the book. And I think with money, it's just, it's so important. We, I want to provide, tips and education for people to have agency, but we have to talk about that we're not starting from the same place and we're not encountering the same obstacles. And so um, that was really important context to have in this book.
0: I, yes, I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly agree. And I, I love the example of the, the pay gap or the wage gap because a lot of people are like, well, it's equal payday. Mm-hmm. Equal payday is only for white women but a lot of people don't realize that because it's like, but I'm a woman. So this is important. Like we have to talk about this, but it's like, okay, well, AAPI is here. And then there's, there's layers for AAPI. So if it's someone who's Laos or Vietnamese, it's different than someone who is Japanese who would get paid more than actually white women. There's this whole, you know, kind of layers that are are in there and by bringing that voice into the second book, um, it's doing something that's incredibly powerful, which is showing your own personal growth, right. Of what you've had, um, realizing, like you said, uh, true feminists are centered in intersectionality mm. and that's what feminism is for when feminism is in the position of like, it's just a white woman's experience or even a privileged white woman's experience. We're missing out the majority of other women, you know, that are there. Right. And how that shows up. Um, The other thing I really enjoyed about you is that like once that, Diversity Lens was on for you. You were just like, I feel like we do this. Like I feel like we do this. So much so that there had to be editing, right? <laughs> to bring the book down, which I think is great. And then also I didn't know you saved all the, the notes. And so now I'm just like, wow. So the next book you do, because obviously that will happen, you have these notes to reference or even pages to put into that book, right? That didn't make it into the current book. Um, and you you know you're already building that platform which is great. I will probably cry about that later. Um, and, and thank you, you know, for choosing me because on the flip side, as I kind of alluded to earlier, I've learned so much more about money. Like, so I was like, yeah, wait, let me check that myself as I'm going through and editing. Are these accounts set up? And then we got into the chapter talking about home buying and that's when I was buying my home and things are really fresh. I was in there being able to talk about the experience as a single Black woman who was buying a home at that time and what could be relevant. Um, I also really enjoyed being able to um, share my perspective of um, starting a business, right? Because you're talking about different ways in which income comes in. Um, and how, you know, whether it's like getting a loan or, you know, tapping into savings or, you know, asking for help. And it's like, okay, also I didn't have that, but you know, what about, you know, people who have access to the retirement funds that could be more, there's a penalty, but what's the, you know, it could be more cost-effective than discrimination at a bank or a higher rate at a bank, you know, and then you basically get the cash out, right? Right if you set aside, if you do the right way, set aside what you owe the the government or just write that check right away. Um, and then you have some financing and how to rebuild. So I just, all that to say is that I couldn't have asked for a better author to, to work with, (laughs) um, and this process. And I also really want to highlight your, um, your in your introduction, you really leaned into setting the tone for the book um, and talking about how you have um, a mix between um, oppression and privilege being a Jewish person so do you want to talk a little bit more about that
1: yes and just one more thing on your sensitivity editing that I that surprised me is that, you had so many brilliant ideas that were outside of sensitivity editing. Like you mentioned the home buying process or you just, i had no idea, but you know so much about health insurance and <laughs> all of those things. And even just like the cute name, like the cool, it was so fun. The name you came up for the, for the love of money. So
0: it, like so many places you added. I forgot about so- that. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> great ideas. Um, yeah. Now,
0: And that, I love, I love kind of like that call out kind of box for the, the love of money, just to kind of share the different perspectives. And i I know I asked you another question, but let's go down this tangent, but also, um, how you were able to talk about different ways in which people have money, right? Because people have it within partnership and without partnership right? And what that looks like. So, you know, savings for a couple, whether they're married or, you know, living together is different from savings from a single person. So I was leaning into a single life. I'm like, well, listen, the trip is my trip. (laughs) There's no other fund, right. That's coming in there to, to support that. Um, But thank you for sharing that. So back to the original question, um, I really would love for you to share, just talking about your um, sharing your, your privilege and your experience um, and, you know, what it's like to be Jewish in America, particularly after, well, there's always stuff going on, but particularly after what has <laughs> <this, laughs> um, really transpired in the past a few months for Jewish people.
1: Yes, this was such an important section for me to work on with you in the book, and I, it was kind of like a last minute addition to the preface um, as I was learning and unlearning about my Jewish identity, and I equally like learned so much going back and forth from you with you, but. To give you the context or to give listeners some context, so growing up, I was like the only Jewish person in my class, but outside of that other feeling, like every tween just wants to be like everyone else, you know, <laughs> but things were generally fine for me. And I think that was because of privilege within the Jewish community. So it's important to note, like we talk about, on we've talked a lot about privilege and how I have white privilege, but within the Jewish community, I have privilege in That, for example, more religious or observant Jews have to wear a yarmulke or don't have to, but they wear a yarmulke or another marker of their Judaism and they bear the brunt of anti-Semitic attacks, especially violent ones. So outside of my last name, like Feinstein, or if someone Googles me or um, if I told you, you wouldn't necessarily know that I was Jewish. And that's actually a privilege in a country where Jewish people make up 2% of the population and 57% of the religious hate crimes. And that was in 2020. So I'm sure it will be higher in 2021. Um, but so, really, my journey to understand my Jewish identity and dive into understanding anti Semitism started, it's funny, it started after my anti racist journey and after my inclusive feminist journey. And it started after the May escalation of the Israeli Palestinian conflict. And because of my privilege, even though it has been growing, it it was when I became aware of it um, because I was sheltered. So I think what was so challenging about May for me and challenging um, in context, because I'm someone who's safe, not in the line of fire. I'm in the United States. I'm not easily targeted on the street. Um, But what was really challenging is I knew like neo-Nazis existed and I knew the KKK wanted me dead, but I expected it from that side. But what I started seeing on social media was anti-Semitism from people who shared my progressive values. And yeah. oh, and I started discovering that there's a lot of Jewish hate in progressive spaces and a lot of Jewish people no longer feel comfortable in those spaces. And that shook me because I share those values and I thought those are my people. And um, so it was kind of horrifying to see the misinformation spread. And I truly don't yeah. think it was malicious. I truly think it was like, Misinformation and propaganda that's shared to be reshared from less benevolent places. Um, But it was, you know, that prompted me to dive into my own history. And my family never really talked about our history. I think there was so much they didn't know. But I used my millennial internet sleuthing and I found that two of my great grandparents actually were murdered in the Holocaust. I didn't know that. And that my grandfather came to New York. I still haven't found like when or with who. um, But I dove into reading a lot of books and following Jewish activists. And going back to the book, I kind of debunk the stereotypes or conspiracy about Jewish people and money. Um, Like this idea that Jews control money and all Jews are rich, which is definitely not true. But um, something we talked about that there's there are many Jewish people who are thriving in the United States. And I think that can provide a sense of um, false safety, not from Jewish people themselves, but other people thinking that like anti-Semitism isn't that bad or it can get a pass, um, which can be really dangerous. And so from learning the history, I saw that like over and over in Spain and Russia and China, in the Middle East, in Europe, there were always there were thriving Jewish communities that were later ethnically cleansed or expelled or murdered. And um, like even most Jewish holidays are us celebrating being around after an extermination attempt. Um, So I think when oppressed groups thrive, that is a threat to white supremacy. And we often like see a backlash. And so for like, as I'm learning the history, May to me looks like a beginning stage of this history where Jews are being blamed for things, held to double standards, lies are being spread. And it's made me feel very passionate about talking about it. And um, so in the way I could, in my book about money, um, I added that in. (laughs) I think that's
0: incredibly powerful and important. Again, there's so many things that have been happening within the Jewish community. And a lot of people still underestimate how much hate goes towards jewish people Mm. like and and i think that's the other side of the coin right because it's like well some jewish people identify as white some jewish people can pass as white so they're fine right they're fine right there's this this other stereotype of access to money and wealth so they're fine like how and why could this be an issue I agree that we'll see what happens in 2021 with data I'm actually really nervous about 2021 data yeah in general, for so many groups um yeah it's a reality of the situation I will say that I I love how um you shared what you just shared today but how that comes through in the book of setting an expectation of you know having this identity and You know, there are these stereotypes, but this is where I fit in. And yeah, I have some benefits, but this is where I fit in. And showing and role modeling, learning and unlearning. So Mm -hmm. when we think we're so versed in something because of whatever reason and realizing we have more opportunities to learn and unlearn. So hearing about your family the grandparents, right, and the experiences they had—that's already telling you a lot, because you know the end results, right? Right. Uh, of that, and what does that mean? And how does that show up for you as a feminist, as a author, as a business owner, as a parent? It can show up in so many different spaces, right? Definitely. Um, I, I felt like that came through the book. Just want to acknowledge to the listeners: not everyone is Ashley. <laughs> I just need to put that out there um, where there can be the flip side where Jewish people come from oppression, but they don't understand what that means now, today. They don't understand the historical context of that. And they may use their privilege in a harmful way. And I think that's also could be the same for Black people who can use their privilege in a harmful way. And AAPI, Asian American Pacific Islander, um people who could use their privilege in a harmful way that there's always that. But when there's more examples and role models of, yeah, hi, yep. This is our life and our identity. Let's get into some history. What does that mean for me today and how I'm moving forward? That's really where there's the, the win.
1: And it was so cool too with the, and I feel like the end result we got to was the section of the section was like, okay, this section isn't harmful to anybody, right? Like to make sure it acknowledges intersectionality and like, diving into to realize, I think there's this misconception that I had. And also in my experience that most Jews are white passing and that they're, you know, they're, but there actually is diversity in the Jewish community. I learned about Mizrahi Jews from Asia, North Africa. They're like 30% of the Jewish population. So those Jews experience, you know, they do not have that white passing privilege. They, and then they also have the Jewish thing going on. And so I thought it was so cool how after we got through it, the end of the yeah. section really addresses all of that, which was so cool.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and I love how you're highlighting the intersectionality in the Jewish community, right? Because someone could be, um, I could have a, a darker complexion. Someone could be um, multi-ethnic or mixed ethnicity, however you want to call it. And their experience versus being able to pass or not pass. And I think it's also important to acknowledge that there are lots of Jewish people who just identify as white. Yes. Right. And um, one of my favorite examples is swiping on dating apps. <laughs> right. And I actually have my settings. I, I'm in a place right now, we'll see what happens in the future, but I'm in a place right now where I just don't want to date white men. Like I can't, I don't have it in me. I just want someone to take care of myself. And so I have it on my settings. But to me, I'm like, why are these white guys passing through? What, what is happening? But they identify as Jewish, mm. either part or whole. I'm like, okay. Right. And I'll, then that's what I'll do. all right. <laughs> was, you know, there's probably some understanding. We'll see, right, um, you know, if the other stuff pans out there. But, um, yeah, so I think it's also important to note how, even in the Jewish community, how people view themselves differently. And how that ties back to privilege, right? That right. how that can tie back to massive wealth or not, because everyone, everyone can have a lot of money or not a lot of money, right? And that space, really, just seeing how people show up. I again hope that when people read your preface, they'll see themselves in it, and they can see how they show, up. even if they, you know, are. In a $50,000 a year position or a $500,000 a year position, they can see like, okay, this is something that I can look into. This mm. is how I can show up financially for myself first, because you got to make sure you're good. And then this is how I can show up for my community or communities, whatever it may be.
1: Right. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Realizing what's, what gets in the way. And then also what privilege we have to help and make things better.
0: I'm, I'm curious, um, to, and you're kind of already alluding to this, but what else have you potentially learned about this process, right? With book number two and um, bringing in a sensitivity editor um, that you feel is either changing the publishing industry (laughs) or, and, or has changed your experience for how you're moving into hopefully book three when that happens.
1: Right. With the, I, and you alluded to this earlier, but my book was 130,000 words and I had to cut it to 70,000. And it was probably the heart, it was harder than writing it. Um, so there is a third book probably just in cut content from this book.
0: You know what? Yes, there is. That is actually really exciting. Well, here's the other thing I didn't share with the readers. You have interviewed so many people and like from all spectrums of life and income levels and stories and experience um around um money and investing and, and so much so i um want to say kudos for having those voices in there but i think it's great for book number three that you'll have more of the, the storytelling there and and more um self-accountability accountability um, in general for the society but um yeah. What did you learn about yourself for the publishing industry? Yeah. So
1: the first book, it was all from my perspective. There were some statistics or like studies, but I was very excited in this book too, because it's the goal of having an inclusive book. And I think something you mentioned is how inclusive is so broad. It's like, we, I remember one of the edits you made was that some, I mentioned a digital folder and someone might not have a computer or someone might be single or, in a relationship, someone, you know, there's the race, ethnicity, diversity, there's gender, there's disability. So mm-hmm. um there were so many places to get other perspectives for having, because who am I to talk about? And also this book covers so many topics that I am by no means like the, the expert on like taxes and estate planning and buying a home. And um, so I learned so much from these experts and had so much fun You know, I think something that I've been leaning into is I don't like to do things alone. (laughs) I want to be on a team and do things with other people. And so um, talking to all of these amazing experts and getting to feature them was really great. And I think um, something you mentioned, the murder of George Floyd has shifted, I think, hopefully more than a little, the publishing industry that is slowly changing to look to showcase authors that are just more diverse in yeah. like race, ethnicity and gender in um, age, <laughs> especially in spaces that tend to be um, like personal finance that tend to be very male and white. So I think that lined up with my um, excitement to write a different type of book. And I have an amazing agent too. That I, So that's really, <laughs> she helps take my vision and make it something that publishers want but while fighting for what I want to and that's um very lucky
0: I agree yes I think that's fantastic that you that you have that and I I you know the publishing industry is so white that could be a whole (laughs) hashtag in itself but it really really is and so even like more of the embracing of sensitivity editors, even though they're not on staff, you know, but they're consulting with and contracting with and either wanting to either allow for permission for that process of editing or even putting money towards that. I think, you know, that's a win. There's a lot more work that needs to be done there. And whenever I enter in the world of writing a book, they have to just, they're going to get all of this. They so. need
1: a publisher, <laughs> seriously, like that should be part of it. And the other thing that I that I did this time, I didn't last time is I hired a fact checker. Mm-hmm. And that was very eye-opening. Like even things that I and just I think I need a
0: fact checker just all the time in life. <laughs> Can you just follow me? Can you fact check what I just said to my yes. husband? Please, Can you fact check what I just said? Um, yeah, no, I think there's a, a lot of value there, particularly for you because there's so many statistics and quotes, not like in an unhealthy, un- un- I don't like numbers. Let me just put that out there, <laughs> but in a digestible way, <laughs> you know, of what is being presented. But, you know, I do, I hope there's a shift and I wholeheartedly feel like, you know, you're role modeling a lot for your your publisher um with this book in this process. Um and so hopefully it will have a ripple effect. I just want to say I I took a lot away from your book. Um I was like, wait a minute, I need to do the state planning because I'm a homeowner now. Like the stuff. That I did. I didn't even think of, so it's on my to-do list um, by the end of the year. As I said earlier, I was checking accounts to make sure it made sense. And I was like, is my life insurance, you know, again, I'm here to help you, but you were helping me, right. um, With my life. And I I couldn't have asked for a better time to have this interaction as my wealth has changed as a result of dismantling white supremacy. Um, And I appreciate you using your expertise and your, your privilege, um, to selfishly just help me. So I know it can help, (laughs) it can help other people, um, that are out there. Um, what do you do for self-care? You mean, you know, you're still working through this book, getting closer to the end and what do you do for self-care? Honestly, like sleep is what I want (laughs) (laughs)
1: Laugh because it doesn't sound very luxurious, but we have two kids the baby doesn't sleep well. And so my self care is like a couple times a week. I go sleep on my older son's top bunk and he has like a really loud sound. He's bunk beds and he has a really loud sound machine and he sleeps for the night and it's just glorious.
0: <laughs> that sounds fantastic.
1: And then I think the other thing that's a little more fun is as a very passionate business owner, I tend to just focus a lot on work and I've been working to build in more fun. And um, Justin, my husband, and I, we, committed, which, you know, took a lot of financial privilege to booking a weekly babysitter. And sometimes it's like just to go to the grocery, but we try to make it for fun time, like together or with friends and just having more fun, I think is another self-care thing for
0: me. I think that's very cute and important just to, it's important. I feel as a single person, I have so much advice for couples. Um, (laughs) I feel it's important to have that kid-free time to connect and grocery shopping is fun. I haven't gone to a grocery store in like two years. Um, and when the pandemic's over, I'm I'm going to dress up. I'm going to live it up. I'm going to buy things I don't need. I'm going to go in the middle to get some unhealthy snacks along with my fruits and vegetables. Like I look forward to it. So it's great that you're giving yourself the space to do that. And also the permission to sleep. Mm-hmm. I think sleep is underrated for founders and CEOs. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: But yeah. I mean, it's important. And I, and you know, the important part of sleep is like sleeping and not thinking about money or <laughs> business or the thing that's coming up. It's just like, I'm going to allow my body to sleep. My doctor told me that cause I'm having knee issues. I had a normal MRI and he was like, I just, I need you to rest.
1: Hmm.
0: I said, but what is that? And how do I rest? Is there some type of guidebook to, to this thing you call rest. So like, I would have much preferred surgery to like for rest because it's like, oh, I can't move. So I got to like lay down. So, um, I also am working on rest. It's sometimes hard to say.
1: I love that. You're like, can you tell me the most efficient way?
0: What is the most efficient way to rest? Do you just like want me up or like, what do you mean? Like do nothing? What is it?
1: Like? Can I work with my leg up?
0: Oh, how? Right. I know. I, I, um, I have a fireplace. So, um, and it's like a pellet stove. So it's actually a greener way to have a fire, mm. but it's so it's like quite the vibe. And so now I'm just like make fires and then I like look at the fire and I'm able to look at it for like an hour. Um, so that's one way I'm, I'm finding how to do rest.
1: That sounds restful. Yes.
0: <laughs> to make it happen. Um, So this is a challenging conversation. No, I'm kidding. This question is a plot twist. This may be difficult for you, or maybe not. Um, How do you keep being amazing? Yeah,
1: it is, you know, it's like I'm honored (laughs) to be called amazing by you. Um, (laughs) So how do I keep being amazing? I guess what drives me, um, ever since I was a little kid, I used to get so upset by things that are not fair. Mm -hmm. And Justin even says today, he's like, oh my God, you're so caught up with everything being fair and just. And the industry that I work in and educate in, the financial services industry is like a place of unfairness. If, you know, unfair is probably an understatement there and money and wealth, like even your mention of intergenerational wealth and passing things down, it affects so many other areas. And so I think, you know, just every it's you know little by little by demystifying these systems and teaching people who have generally been ignored or discriminated against how to navigate it. I just you know it's until those big systemic changes, policy corporate, all that it's this is what we can do. And so I think that drive and you know the self-care trying to
0: sleep <laughs> allows me to just keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it again, it's it's important, impactful and, and powerful to, be able to have a voice in the financial space that is representative and, and role modeling behavior of how other people can show up who have you know forms of privilege. Um, and I also think another way you're keeping amazing is how you are uplifting and including other voices who you know may be intentionally ignored. And I use that instead of marginalized or underrepresented because it's a systemic problem like you're talking about. But bringing voices into like you know how can they be part of this. Um, platform or story, or how am I posting something that may be specific to or from a uh, BIPOC creator, which I think is, I think it's wonderful um, (laughs) to make that happen. I would love to hear from you before we wrap up. um, What do you want people to get from your book? What do you want the reader to pull um, from your book, Financial Adulting?
1: That's a great question. So I want them to it's the kind of book that I'd love people to read from start to finish. um, But then to be able to come back to. So at the time you read the book, you might not be buying a home or you might not need life insurance, but it's something that you can, if someone in your community or someone asks you, Oh, I don't know how to do this, that you can be point them to that chapter, or you can come back to it. I hope that people get, like empathy for themselves from it by understanding what we have working against us. And I think so much financial advice is shameful and we tend to punish ourselves when we don't do things. And so I just hope it's something that becomes an act of self-love and more enjoyable than we typically think of personal finance and to, um, I guess, meet ourselves where we are and just get to move closer to the things we want.
0: I love that. And I think there's a lot of power in saying like, this is where I am and how am I going to move forward? Right. Not just New Year's resolutions time, but really (laughs) (laughs) changing the way, because as much as I hate to say it, money is a wonderful way to keep being amazing. You know, when you're able to say like, okay, I have this amount of debt that's going down, or I don't have the credit card debt anymore. Now I can start to plan for, you know, it's, it's a way to tap into to rest or that vacation or the privilege of having um, someone come in to help take care of the kids from time to time or, you know, permanently there are ways in which people can um, really read this book to find ways that they could improve their life and keep being amazing. You know,
1: we talked about it a lot in the, and it's funny because I noticed when I talk about my book, I say we now, and I'm like, I technically wrote it, but I just feel like it's been such a team effort for the book.
0: Um, but there's a, <laughs> it's you, it's you. I'm just in the background. I'm basically Michelle to your Beyonce, you know, so. <laughs> I will
1: take a Beyonce any day. Um The, there's a chapter on consumer activism. And so like you mentioned, oh, yes, watching the fire for an hour makes I'm sure that has you show up better and like happier and so many things in other areas of your life. And the same with if we have some wealth, you know, we can choose to support companies that might be more expensive, but that align with our values. And so I think that's just like two examples of or retire or if we have some money in our savings account, we might be able to leave a company when someone is treating us poorly or, um, so I think it just gives agency to ourselves, to those in our communities, to someone I interviewed, that's part of their financial wellness is making sure that people in their community are okay. And that they have that ability to lend their knowledge and resources. Um, so I just know that more people, especially the type of people that you speak to, we
0: speak to in our communities, if they have more money, the world will just be so much better. I thank you for uplifting that. I, I think it's really important. I, I talk a lot about the summer of allyship when everyone was interested in buying BIPOC or buying black or buying AAPI, wherever they were, you know, on their journey, but a lot of that fizzled out. Um, there's a, a recent article and we'll put it in the notes, um, of this podcast. Um, I came out in Vogue business by, um, put together by Taylor J. And Taylor J is an incredible woman, a black woman. Um, her shop is here based, uh, our um, headquarters is here in Oakland, California. And she basically asked this question of like, why are you, why, why are you forgetting about us? You know, why are you forgetting about black business owners? Because we had to do all this growth and scaling for your demand of interest because you're holding yourself accountable for where you're putting your money. And your dollars, but then you changed your mind. But we're a business. So we have to think about who we're hiring, what we're in source, outsource, all this other stuff. We have to think about that. And it's hard for Black businesses. And I've also felt this too on the consulting side, but fashion is a whole different world about how we're able to think about our futures, which is another important part about money. If people are coming, you know, seasonally or just because there was another murder of someone, that doesn't allow us to actually um, plan for the future, you know, with our scenarios and models that we need. And so when you're thinking about this particular chapter, it's a way of saying, like, I can do more than one Thing Like I could still get my shit from target, but I also can shop from Taylor J and I can buy a shirt from change today. And also, you know, do this, like mix it up and make it part of daily practice. Mm -hmm. You know, people have the privilege and benefit um, of that because, you know, if not, then it's creating more oppression. It's creating more systemic problems. It's creating more barriers to success for BIPOC um, business owners. Right.
1: Thanks for the good quarter. Now I have to find.
0: Thanks so much. And also it's like, okay, yes, I get it. It's black history month. So thanks for buying stuff, but how can it be more regular? How can we be part of their lives? Again, if you want to buy on Amazon, no one's saying that you can't, but can you take the time to find someone who's black owned, you know? Um, It's
1: really interesting there. So we started a Slack channel for consumer activism because it's nice to be able to search And see, oh, um, I'm looking for new shoes, like, because it takes research and it takes time. So if someone already did it, like we could benefit from our community knowledge and get ideas from each other. And um, so I think, I think that's really important.
0: We will add your, can we add your consumer activism? Okay. Slack to these notes, because I think it's important to, and that's another great thing about your book, but, you know, giving people the tools to do it. Because the other thing we hear is like, well, I don't know where to start. I don't know what I should do. It's like, Google has made things very easy <laughs> for the world, right? And that goes to investments too. Are you investing in and BIPOC-owned businesses, Black-owned businesses? You know, who are you donating to? Where, as this comes out, we are, you know, year-end holiday season time. And so people are like, where am I going to put my money for tax purposes? There's nothing wrong with that. But where is it going? You know, where are you shopping? Where are you donating to? Um, get that tax write-off.
1: Something you mentioned too with the, like what I hope people to get out of the book. And it's something you're mentioning with like just doing better over time. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but as we're building, if we're just thinking of it as a journey, it's almost like being a change today with your money. It's like, okay, I've switched this expense that I pay monthly. Now it's with the BIPOC woman owned business. And then, um, yeah, I'm still shopping on Amazon, but maybe at the grocery store this week, I'm going to look for a dressing. That's like, you know, a little more, a little more, a lot of my value. So I think it's, it's, there can be this um, dauntingness to have it be all or nothing. And especially there's no perfect companies, like, so it depends on your criteria, but it's just always doing better and improving and taking steps. And that's what a financial adult is. It doesn't mean we know everything or perfect. It's just like we're moving forward.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We're moving forward. I mean, you may have come up with the title of this podcast, the change today with money. I like that Um, (laughs) a lot, but you're absolutely right because that is building an accountability for self and also that business. So you can go to Target right now, and it's like black-owned businesses. You can easily; it's there, like it's it's highlighted, and it's everything from clothes to food. That's there. But we can be intentional about where we're putting our money, right? Yeah. Um, and how that that shows up. Um, yeah, I'm just really into change today with money. I think I think I do that. I'm going to reflect on that, but I think I, that's what I do. I'm like, where can I throw some cash? <laughs> Um, and make that work so for instance with target they just um you know they do little drops and features of high-end fashion designers and they recently did one of a haitian designer so i was like oh i'm haitian you're at target this is a big deal let me spend money right i'm not into fast fashion but i made an exception to support this particular designer because in that way it would allow for you know, more opportunity and exposure for him. Right. Like all these other things that are unnecessary, but a choice that I had with my money, my dollars.
1: Can you signaled a target. I like this. Thank you. This is great. Right.
0: More of this, please. Yes. Um, <laughs> or not. Cause I definitely have already filled my closets. So, which is why I'm, I'm just saving for the next home. I think I officially have to have a room. That's a closet. I I'm that person now, and it's not to like look cute or anything. So I can sit in the middle and be on Instagram. It's like I want racks on racks on racks in my <laughs> closet, so I can see uh, my black-owned businesses <laughs> and, and uh, vintage shopping problem. Um, all together, all together. Um, well, I would love for you to share how people can find you. They can find the book
1: at financialadultingbook.com and then connect with me on Instagram or other social at thefiscalfem or
0: thefiscalfem.com. And I highly recommend you take a look. There's a lot of free 99 content <laughs> available and also just want to share with financial adulting, just like the 30-day money cleanse, um, there's free available tools that go along, um, with the book as well, which I think is powerful resources and tools are ways to empower ourselves, but also empower other people. So I think that's awesome. I don't want to, I I don't want to stop talking to you. But I know you have to go make money and I have to go make money. Um <laughs> so we can change today with our money. <laughs> we have to be changing today with our money. Um <laughs> we have to make that happen. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Um, thank you again for the opportunity to um be a partner with you in your book. You wrote it yourself. You can we from time to time and just let people know who the we is. As a twin, I we all the time. But I'm like, don't wait a minute. I I did it. So you wrote the book (laughs) and you had support um, in the background. Me, Michelle, never messing up with choreography Um, (laughs) uh, to you. So definitely um, listeners take some time to look at Ashley's work pre-order that book. It's very important. I'm already clearly getting a book and all that other stuff, but I pre-ordered myself because I have the privilege to do that. Um, and then I always forget that I pre-order books and it's a surprise. <laughs> In <the> mail. So <laughs> I recommend that happens. And, um, today and always keeping amazing. Bye. Good stuff, right? You know what you need to do. Download the book, buy the book, Read an actual paper book. But more importantly, go online. Write a comment. Write a review. These things are important for authors, for women, and for BIPOC people. They still need support. And that's a way for you to show up as an ally or as an accomplice by writing a review. Check out our podcast notes where you'll see links to the book and how to buy. And when you can buy from a local bookstore. There's lots of ways that you can buy books online that still support local businesses. BIPOC, owned small business, all good stuff. Make sure you do that. I hope you enjoy the gems you received today. And yes, yes, I missed you too. Now go buy the book because it's holiday season, y'all. Happy holidays and remember keeping amazing. Oh, And remember to like and subscribe. You can also do the same for comments and share and all that fun stuff because I'm trying to get sponsored, y'all. So the more you help and share out there, the more I appreciate it. Okay, bye for reals.